before we begin this week's podcast, I want to take a moment and acknowledge the violence that has beset our country this week. From the killings of Dante Wright and Adam Toledo at the hands of police, to the mass shooting in Indianapolis, gun violence has particularly stricken us this week. We want to pray for change and acknowledge the turmoil that is. with you. Let us pray. Wounded God, disabled and divine, give us faith to perceive you pierced and embodied, standing here among us, feeding us forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the most influential people in my life was my paternal grandfather. Technically, this grandfather was my dad's stepdad or my step-grandfather, but I always thought of him as my grandpa, and we always called him Papa. Papa was a short man with dark olive skin, a huge nose, and a zest for life that was infectious. His name was Vito de la Torre. He was born in southern Italy in the early 20th century. Following the death of his father, he moved with his mother and their family to San Francisco. Papa was seven years old at the time. He used to tell the story that he and his brother had never seen electricity until San Francisco, and they would take turns sticking their fingers in the light bulb socket for a quick jolt. Papa dropped out of school in the seventh grade and started shining shoes. Over the course of his life, he had a number of professions, starting with shoe shining and moving to pie delivery and to a massive chicken farm. In World War II, he enlisted, but because he was an Italian immigrant, he wasn't allowed to fight. Instead, he became a chef in the Navy on the Pacific Front. Despite this Navy career, he was an incredible cook. He was the sort of cook who never used a recipe. He had an instinctive knowledge for cooking. When Papa was cooking, the smell seemed to warm the entire house. It drew me inside, even on hot 
days. And my favorite thing that he made was nothing fancy. It was actually chicken soup. It might sound strange that such a common food was a specialty, but there was nothing like Papa's chicken soup. The broth was rich, but somehow clear. The vegetables were fresh, but also tender and soft. That soup warmed my body, comforted me, and nourished me. Today, Jesus gives us a lesson in nourishment and sustenance. This is one of my favorite post-resurrection appearances. Notice that we have jumped from Mark to John and now to Luke. In this scene in Luke, which takes place just after the road to Emmaus, Jesus eats fish. Jesus eats fish with fishermen. I won't ask where they got this fish in Jerusalem, where there are no lakes and no rivers nearby. But in any case, Jesus asks for food and the disciples give him food that is significant. It is their food. It is their chicken soup, the staple of their culture. By eating fish, Jesus shows them that he is fully alive. He is with them. His body is nourished by their company. It is an affirmation of food, of the body, and of the power of physical presence. Last Sunday, with the eyes of the world upon Minneapolis for the trial of Officer Derek Chauvin's murder of George Floyd. Yet another young black man was killed in Minneapolis by a police officer. Dante Wright was just 20 years old. He was pulled over for an expired tag and maybe for air fresheners dingling from his rear view mirror, whatever. When, when officers asked for his insurance information, he did what any young person might do. He called his mother. While he was on the phone with her, the police asked him to get out of the car. When he asked why, they yelled at him. His mother heard it all over the phone. And moments later, Officer Kim Potter shot and killed Dante Wright. She claimed that she intended to tase him, which is believable in this case, but it boggles the mind. How do police accidentally fire guns? Why do the police carry guns? Why not just tasers? After writing this sermon, I learned about the death of 13-year-old Adam Toledo in Chicago, yet another unnecessary killing of a young person by police. And after adding that line, I had to add yet another. Eight people were killed by a gunman in a FedEx warehouse in Indianapolis. What is wrong with this country? In the U.S., guns account for 73% of all homicides. 73%. In England, it's only 4%. Every 100 residents in the U.S. own an average of 120.5 guns. That's twice as much as war-torn Yemen. 
Every year, the U.S. has 38,355 deaths by guns. Black males ages 15 to 34 are 20 times, 20 times more likely to be killed by guns than white males in the United States. According to the New York Times, just since testimony began in the Derek Chauvin trial, 64 people have died in police run-ins nationwide. There have been 11 mass shootings in the U.S. this year, three of which were in Indianapolis. Why are we so addicted to guns? Where are the studies that prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that police need to carry handguns? Where is the training of police such that they never mistakenly kill another person ever? Why can't a northern city keep from killing a young black man while the whole world is watching the trial of an officer who killed a young black man in that city? Why do we continue to kill the body of Christ? This week, the world will celebrate Earth Day. On the surface, environmental concerns, gun reform, and the pursuit of racial justice may seem like separate subjects, but they are very much intertwined. Three out of five African Americans live in communities with uncontrolled toxic waste sites. 11.2% of African-American children and 4% of Mexican-American children are poisoned by lead compared to 2% of white children. We must awaken to the reality that people of color in the U.S. are physically bearing our cultural illness. The same disease that consumes our planet and separates us from the natural world makes the bodies of our sisters and brothers invisible. The bodies of all of God's children need nourishment, need sustenance. We must pursue spiritual and physical sustenance for all of God's children. On Thursday, I did my annual hike up Grass Mountain in San Inez Valley, not far from Los Olivos. It's an incredible hike along a clear creek and up a steep mountain. The incline is so steep that little vegetation or topsoil remain. As a result, this thin, rocky soil is ideal for wildflowers, most notably the California poppy, but also, and especially this year, lupin. Most years, right around this time, the entire mountainside turns orange with poppies, It's often visible miles and miles away on the highway deep in the San Inez Valley. The incline and the rough terrain make for tough hiking exposed to the sun, but when you make it to the top, you're surrounded by poppies everywhere. It seems impossible, yet it is a physical reality. Looking out at the mountain of wildflowers, I felt bodily restoration. I felt a renewed sense of what is possible and what should be.
This is what physical connection to the planet does. It sustains us and inspires us. It feeds us. Like chicken soup or the disciples' fish, connection to the earth nourishes and restores. All of God's children need that. We must work until that need becomes a reality, till that need is met, until the entire body of Christ is nourished and sustained. Amen. the mustard seed this week is to join with black churches all over the country in the practice of sell out. This is a practice of just turning off your phone for an hour, but doing it collectively as a community to acknowledge the precious metals that go in to cell phones and all of the uh, cultural torment that goes along with the extraction of those metals and the destruction to the planet and to the black community specifically, particularly in places like the Congo. So this Wednesday at 8 o'clock from 8 to 9, we are all going to turn off our phones. Just turn off your phone for one hour and see how it feels. Have a great week. With trust and hope, we turn our hearts to God in prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good earth, and for the wisdom to live into our interdependence with all of God's creation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for the prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God, the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For deliverance from all violence, oppression, and degradation. For the good work of this community, may our roles be uplifted by one another as we do healing work in Isla Vista and beyond. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. We pray for an end to gun violence in the United States, for legislation that can make that happen. We pray for police reform and training 
we pray for justice in the murder of George Floyd. For all of these we pray. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. All that we have asked faithfully, grant that we may obtain effectually to your honor and glory. Amen. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And give us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.